0: Welcome to the SCORE Innovation Podcast. As one of the world's largest reinsurers, SCORE provides insurance companies with diverse and innovative solutions focused on the art and science of risk. The SCORE Innovation Podcast channel sheds light on evolving consumer needs in life and health and property and casualty reinsurance and connects them to global ecosystems. You can subscribe to the channel on your favorite podcast platform to get notified of all our new exciting content. Welcome to the SCORE Life and Health Innovation podcast. I'm Jenny Macdonald, Head of Behavioral Science in SCORE. On today's podcast, we will talk about an exciting collaboration between SCORE and the research team Economics from University. Parhi Nonterre. The collaboration involved carrying out a behaviourally informed academic study with the objective of understanding purchasing behaviour of life insurance. I'm really excited to be joined today by Maglena Jaleva, a professor of economics and one of the three drivers of the project from NonTer University. Welcome to the podcast, Maglena. Can we start by learning a little more about yourself and the university team involved in the collaboration? Hello, Denny. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yes, there are three of
1: us on the project team at Nanterre. Joanna Etner, Magali Dumonté, and myself. Joanna and I are behavioral economists and have been working together for almost 20 years on the impact of risk perceptions and attitudes on prevention, savings, and insurance decisions, especially when it comes to health and the environment. We use microeconomic modeling, and more recently, Experiments. Magalie joined our team recently.
0: She's an econometrician and works in health economics. Maglena, I'm intrigued to find out how you connected with Score to carry out this collaboration. How does a large reinsurer and a team of university economists meet?
1: Well, the collaboration between Université Paris Nanterre and Score started two years ago. Joanna and I had met Manuel Plisson was at that time Head of Inclusive Underwriting and Medical Expertise at SCORE at a conference. He asked us to present SCORE with an overview on the use of behavioral economics in the insurance field. After that presentation, we decided to team up with SCORE to better understand life insurance purchasing behavior. That was the starting point of this nice project.
0: Ah, conferences, they're so good for making connections. It's really amazing to see what journeys can be initiated from like chance meetings at these types of events. Can you give our listeners an overview of what this study entailed? Yes, no problem. Basically, we used a discrete
1: choice experiment a DC, to gain insights about which features of a life insurance product are most important to customers. This method also allows us to learn about how willing people are to pay for these features and how they make treads between them.
0: Maglena, I have to be honest and share that before I started working on this project, I have never heard of a discrete choice experimenter DCE, as you just called it in your last response. Can you give us a brief introduction to the world of DCEs? What are they? Sure, no problem. A DCE,
1: is basically an experimental method which allows us to tell how much people value different attributes of a good or service and how much they are willing to pay for. This method comes from a consumer economic model, which assumes that consumers view a good they are thinking about purchasing as a bundle of different attributes and that the consumer's ultimate choice is guided by the value they implicitly place on each attribute relative to other attributes.
0: Do you follow? I do, I do. Um, Will you add some more colour, though, as to what this actually looks like in practice?
1: Of course. Basically, we present each individual with different hypothetical insurance contracts, with each contract combining different attributes. The individual must choose the insurance contract they prefer in a series of choice tasks. The choices that respondents make during these choice tasks Let us estimate the value they place on each attribute and how they are willing to substitute more of one attribute for less of another. Is it more clear now for you?
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. So how many people do you need to take part in an experiment like this?
1: We had about 1,000 people participate in our experiment and they came from three different groups. 900 people were from the general population of France. Another 100 people were targeted because they were self-employed. And then a final 100 people came from a panel of policyholders and potential policyholders of a core partner insurance company in France. We decided to use these three different groups because we wanted to learn about the general population appetite for life insurance and also be able to focus on specific important subgroups like the self-employed.
0: And what motivated you and the team to pursue this study? I have been thinking about a study
1: like this for quite some time. People usually tend to think about life insurance products as being two dimensional, as if all that matters is the premium and the death benefit. But these studies let us look at other dimensions of the product, like survival benefits or prevention programs. We can see what people value and what trade-offs they're willing to make. We realized in our early conversations with SCORE that we both had a lot of big questions in the insurance space that could be answered through an experiment.
0: You're going to have to tell us now what the key questions were that you were looking to answer. Of course, things like the features
1: to be included in an insurance contract and the features that could be deprioritized the strongest features to promote in marketing, what prices can be charged, the best way to differentiate from competitors, and lastly, who should we try to sell insurance to? You can see that there's a wide range of ways to apply that we learned
0: from this study. Maglena, we're here today to talk about innovation. So is this a new approach for the insurance industry? Actually, The method
1: we used is not really new. The beginnings of it date back to the 1960s, when Daniel McFadden really developed it in the 1980s. He actually won the Nobel Prize for that work.
0: I've heard of McFadden's theory before. Interesting now to know where it actually came from. So if if this is an old approach, where is the innovation coming from in the study? Yes. So, in fact,
1: we didn't use a brand new method, but this study is still really innovative in at least two ways. First, we are applying this method to life insurance purchasing decisions that hasn't been done before. This has been used in areas like transport, energy and telecommunications, but we are among the first to apply to insurance. The second way this study is innovative is that we are using things like measures of risk preferences, time preferences and altruism to tell us about how customers differ in their appreciation and their valuation of the different attributes of life insurance contracts.
0: And Maglani, you said there that other industries, they've applied this methodology before to innovate. So will you just tell us maybe a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, actually, several sectors and industries have been applying this methodology, I think, since the 90s, mainly for the design of new products or services. For instance, in the early days of mobile phones, around 20 years ago or so, These methods were used for the construction of subscription offers, combining different reduced prices for mobile phones, different engagement periods, and special tariffs for day and night calls. More recently, the methods have also been used in the design of the pass for public transportation for young people in Paris, which is called Imaginaire.
0: So it seems these methods, they have been applied pretty widely. But, Meglena, our focus today is on insurance. How are you and SCORE planning to use the results of this study to help understand insurance purchases?
1: The project team sees four main ways that this study can be applied in the insurance space. First, my hope is that SCORE can use it to support customer-centric product design in the insurance industry. The analysis identifies socio-demographic and behavioral variables that influence people's preferences for different life insurance features, which means tailored products could be designed for different groups. We can also use the results to evaluate consumers' possible willingness to pay for new simulated contracts by combining different levels of attributes. Second, SCORE can use the results for target market segmentation. When the preferences of specific subgroups are understood, it is possible to target various initiatives at the right segments of the population. Third, we know that a lot of people who need insurance don't buy it today, which is known as the protection gap. We would really like SCORE to use the study to help reduce this gap by gaining insights into which insurance features might compel under-insured consumers to buy insurance. Finally, the study lets us investigate potential new markets that SCORE might want to explore. The study includes a focus on self-employed people who are often underinsured to
0: understand their preferences. So many angles um, to consider. Closing the protection gap really jumps out for me, which is something that SCORE is really passionate about. You mentioned investigating several different features of an insurance product. What features did you study? We considered
1: six categories of features of a life insurance product. Each of the categories has two or three options. Some of these options are already in various insurance contracts, but others are new possibilities. But I'll have to refer to my notes for this to make sure I cover all six.
0: No, no problem, Maglena, for full disclosure, I have lots of notes in front of me also and um, to make sure that I remember to ask you everything that I want to know. Go on ahead, please. First, there's the benefit payment method. How do people receive
1: their life insurance product? This can be either lump sum or an income stream. Second, there's the level of health information what has to provide for the insurance application. This can either be no information, a questionnaire, or medical examinations or tests. First, we can provide people with a prevention program to improve their health. The options here are no program, an annual free medical checkup, or a personalized prevention program. Fourth, some insurance contracts provide additional benefits. We looked at the options of no additional benefit hospitalisation fees, or an additional payout in case of death by accident. Fifth, we investigated survival benefits, which pay out if the policyholder survive past the term of the policy. There can be either no benefits, reimbursement of part of the premiums paid, or financing of funeral expenses. And finally, We also looked three different levels of monthly premium. I really hope that
0: I covered everything. I'm pretty sure, Maglena, I counted six. Wow, you really managed to cover a lot of options. But of course, we know that a lot of innovation, it's about timing. So why is now the right time to do this study? We think this study could greatly help the insurance industry
1: prepare for moving to online channels or direct-to-consumer marketing. Indeed, the pandemic has accelerated the shift to online sales, and this is a growing distribution channel for insurance worldwide. When insurance sell directly to consumers, the consumer's preferences drive demand. So, our study design replicates how a consumer might compare different insurance products online, which can help score design
0: products for distribution channel. I see what you mean. Consumers online, they're often comparing different products and thinking about trade-offs between them. But I'm thinking everyone at this point is wondering, what were the results? Can you share some of your initial findings with us?
1: For sure, we are still working through the analysis phase, but we've already seen some interesting observations. For instance, individuals seem to highly prefer lump sum benefits over income. We also saw that people don't seem to mind being asked underwriting questions relative to no questions, even if this involves collecting personal data. But as might be expected, everyone is negative towards medical exams and tests. People also value the addition of an accident benefit and survival benefits in the form of reimbursement of 50% of premiums and funeral expenses.
0: That's all really interesting. I'm wondering if there was anything in the results that might have surprised you? Actually, yes. Some did. Concerning
1: prevention, we found the surprising results. The attitude to health checkups is overall positive. Young, actively working people with no regular medical treatments are especially willing to pay extra for an insurance contract that includes an annual health checkup. However, Some individuals don't seem to value having a prevention app that could give them a personalized prevention program, unless it was accompanied by a reduction in premium. We are now trying to dig deeper into this result and find out why. We also want to identify those groups that do value an app so that score could target it towards them
0: surprises me, all right. I would have expected most people to value a prevention app. I really value mine. So, how will you continue the analysis to try to answer these outstanding questions?
1: As we continue the analysis, we'll be trying to better capture differences between respondents. We also want to test the impact of risk and time preferences and also of other individual characteristics, such as self-perceived health or risk of death, on the willingness to pay for the different attributes. This will give us insights into the preferences of specific subgroups.
0: And that feels like a really nice note to finish up on. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today to learn about this innovative approach to understanding consumer demand. Congratulations on this great piece of work. I'm really looking forward to hearing more interesting learnings as the analysis progresses. I'll just close out by saying, watch this space in the near future for more on this project. So Jenny, thank you so much
1: for inviting me for this podcast. Thank you, really.
0: Thank you for listening to us today you can subscribe to the Score Innovation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite platform, and be our first listener to new releases. Stay tuned and see you at the next episode